Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life with Magic. I am so happy that you came back. How are you? I hope you're doing well. I know that things are hard out here in the real world. It's getting tougher and tougher to walk outside. If you live in the U.S., things are looking scarier by the day and we're trying our best to manage. Hope that you're carving out spaces of safety within your home and for your friends and loved ones. I'm wishing them nothing but goodness and healing and prosperity within the darkness that is this pandemic. I know it's been about a week or so since I last spoke to you and there's been quite a few changes. I celebrated my two-year anniversary with my partner. We went camping for the first time in like forever. I got to enjoy nature, which is wild because I was like, I think we're all itching for a vacation, but we can't go anywhere. So we're just all like, I can go to the park, maybe go to the park if there's not too many people out there. So we decided to go camping and it was a beautiful trip because it was in Shenandoah, which is for those who don't know, it's somewhere up in Virginia and it's peaceful. It was quiet. We got to go on the Skyline Drive and just sit in our cars and watch the sunrise and the sunset. It was just beautiful and peaceful. I'm super excited to have you back and I would love to hear what you've been doing. Like, feel free to DM me, leave comments, always reach out. Like my inbox and my DMs are always open for new uh, conversation and new friends. Like, I'm curious to know what you've been doing to cope with the pandemic. We are, what, seven months in? It feels like forever. It's like 2020 is just going by really fast and really slow simultaneously, which is strange. It's like time is moving in a weird speed, but we're all in this together. The podcast is how I cope with things. I'm curious to know how you cope with things. I'm super excited to introduce our next guest. It's the one and only Crocodile Lightning. For those that don't know, Crocodile Lightning is a transgender burlesque performer transplanted from Thailand. She started using the art of striptease to rekindle the connection with her body and sensuality after her transition. Crocodile Lightning incorporates self-compassion and mindfulness practices in her performances and teachings as she invites the audience to challenge the status quo and awaken to the moment-to-moment vitality of life. Infusing traditional Thai dancing and traditional Chinese ribbon dancing into her performances, Crocodile Lightning has entertained audiences across the U.S., in New Zealand, Australia, Germany, Switzerland, Sweden, Canada. So she is a very big deal around the world, and I'm super, super happy that she decided to join me at the Life with Magic podcast. When she's not performing, Crocodile Lightning is a trauma-informed, anti-oppression, infant mental health practitioner. For a decade, she has been providing direct services to families with infants and toddlers in home visits, community mental health centers, and transitional housing centers. That is quite the resume, Lee. That is, you are such a magnificent person. So thank you so, so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. It is my absolute pleasure. And I adore you so much as well. Thank you for that beautiful intro. The first question that I want to ask you is, how is your spirit? No, I have to say I'm doing this interview with you, Magic Dyke. So my spirit feels magical. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I woke up today feeling pretty grounded in Mm -hmm. love and curiosity about what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long time coming. Like once I started like manifesting this podcast, like before I even like had the equipment and everything I had like a list of people that I wanted to speak to and you were on that list so this is like Mm -hmm. a dream come true because like you do so much on and off the stage like Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know but I work with kids outside of like my performance life so like Ah. when 
I saw your post about the fact that you work with infants and toddlers, I was like, oh my goodness, this is perfect. <laughs> like the, the perfect subject that's dropped onto my lap. And I was like, what a beautiful time to discuss how to best show up for our kids other than like right now. Wow. Like there's so much happening everywhere. And now so people are much. talking about like schools reopening and I'm like, what? Mm. How? Right. Right. It's so much happening. And I feel like everyone is, you know, using all the tools and skills that they have to show up for themselves and for our mm -hmm. children. Right. So when I heard that you had been manifesting this project and now you're doing it, oh, that just makes my heart so happy. <laughs> Can you explain to us like what it means to be a trauma-informed, anti-oppression, infant mental health practitioner? Absolutely. And it's with all fields, right? Um, our mm -hmm. work, we do so much more than what our, our title describes. So that title is quite long. Mm -hmm. To be an infant mental health practitioner, you, you, know, you work with the relationship that takes place between infants and toddlers and their families. Mm -hmm. So we're focusing on that dance of a relationship so that the parents can really best show up for their kids, despite the trauma history, despite the abilities, despite social class, despite all the protective and risk factors. And to be trauma-informed is to really understand how trauma lives in the body, how trauma affects the brain, and how trauma can affect that piece of resilience that we're trying to achieve. And to be anti-oppression on top of all of that is to recognize that our struggles are not just inside of us and are not just from our history of abuse, right? But it's also well-lived within the power and social structure that we're in whether it's the capitalist society that we're in, whether it's the racist society that we're in, right? That it's prejudiced mm -hmm. against our black and brown and POC bodies. And that's, we have to recognize that that's where the trauma lies as well. And we have to address the struggles that's within us and mm -hmm. also outside us and within the system that we live. Right. That's wonderful. Like, what are some of the tools that you give to these families? <sighs> I have to say the tool that I give or more like that we come up together is hope, mm. right? We work together in terms of self-awareness so that they can recognize the strength, that beautiful strength that they're bringing to the table and how we can rekindle hope so that they can pass on that strength and cultivate that strength in their children too. That's beautiful. Thank you. I think that's one of the most under-recognized tools, just that hope mm -hmm. and like that envisioning a future that is what you deserve and what you're, you know, hoping to get for lack of a better word. Yes. Like that's amazing yes. work. Thank you. Thank you. And that is so tricky. The piece that you just said that, to recognize and reimagine what we deserve, mm. right? Because we're, we're living in a system where the system keeps telling us that we're not worth it right. in so many ways. And we're going against that cultural message. Exactly. And I think yeah. for people like us, where we've, 
like I know that you said you're, you've been transplanted from Thailand and like mm-hmm. from a person I've I don't know if the word transplanted is right for me because this is the first time that I've seen it used but yeah. I was born and raised in Nairobi Kenya so like mm. I lived in poverty and then when I came to the U.S. it's like I was the first generation like I'm the oldest in my family so it's like when mm-hmm. I started doing that inner work to challenge all the different oppressive like beliefs that I had from not only my Kenyan upbringing, but like being a black American in the U S it's like, we carry so much. And like, I didn't start thinking about what our children carry because, you know, it, it takes a different type of mindset to be able to remove yourself from your own experience mm. and go into the experience of the people, you know, the younger generation, the little kiddos that don't have the words to describe all that they're experiencing but like in retrospect looking back I was like wow I've lived through so much yes it wasn't until I started going to therapy that I was like oh my goodness this life was not you know as great as I thought it was like because I didn't have the knowledge the tools the language to fully you know relive those those traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. that I went through when Mm -hmm. I was in Kenya and also here just by existing so hearing about you know your experience with the families like how do you relate to the families that you work with as a person who's been transplanted from Thailand Mm. wow because I I feel like I agree we we carry so much within us it's like in the air we breathe until we start Mm. with humility and curiosity to start questioning like what is happening and what are we taking in and how that affects us and our identities right Mm -hmm. so I also opened up and invite the families that I work with right depending on the state of readiness that they're in to start to be a little bit more curious about those things Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's where we relate because I'm not from here I can never fully understand their lived experience, but we can really connect where we know what disappointment feels like, where we know what rejection feels like. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. That's such a great way of looking at it. It's like in order for us to connect to one another, we have to go inside and like basically sit with ourselves Mm. and re-examine what we've gone through and see how we felt in the moments that other people might be going through, like feeling feeling rejected. I think it's a Mm. universal you know, we all know what that feels like, feeling sad, yes. disappointed, hurt, or seeing something happen that is, you know, traumatic, regardless mm-hmm. of what it is. It's like we all have that internal processing, you know, mm-hmm. data that happens when our brain is trying to make sense of the world. And like yes. I've worked with infants and toddlers, and I currently now work with kids on the autism spectrum, like as a behavior technician. Uh-huh. So I'm constantly trying to like, remove myself from my own body and like think of what it is that I can do to better connect with these kids because they see the world very differently than I do Mm. and I have to be a very good listener and like I know that I'm not a parent like my experience is in spurts because I work with kids like for two three hours a day and then I go home but like Mm -hmm. for the parents who have their kids all day 24 7 especially in a pandemic where we're together all the time Right. We, you know, I think most parents are used to, or guardians are Mm -hmm. used to working during the day. Kids go to school, then we come back. But now we're like forced to 
live and work in the same space and caretake and balance Mm -hmm. so many different things. What advice would you give to the parents, you know, who are trying to balance all these new dynamics? Wow. That is absolutely true. And you know, I don't even have any advice, Mm. right? Because I often ask the caregivers whom I work with, like, how do you, how do you show up for yourself? Right. Right. Like even before we talk about the kids, yes, they are important. And yes, mm-hmm. there are a lot of work, but I really have to acknowledge the 5,000 hats that the caregivers are wearing right now. Absolutely. Right. So that's, that's where we start the discussion. Like how are you taking care of yourself and how are you showing up for yourself? Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Like, Cause I think like, that's an often, like we miss to ask the caregivers. It's like, how are you doing? How are you taking care of yourself? Mm-hmm. And in order for you to be able to pour from your cup, it first has to be filled. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in talking to the caregivers whom I have the honor to work with, there's so much misconception around that. Right. And they Mm -hmm. often say, I just want to get through the day. Like, I Mm -hmm. don't have time to just do downward facing dog and just do yoga. Like, I don't have time for that. Right. Right. And and I feel that I do. But self-care, it's not about, you know, budgeting one hour to do yoga. Right. It's just so micro like in that split second, in that heat of the moment, when the, when the toddler is screaming in the background and about to bite the sibling, right? Mm. Like, how do you just quickly gather your breath, gather yourself, your strength before you address that behavior? That is such a great way of thinking about it. Yeah. And like it, meditation it, and all these other things, yeah. like they're time consuming. And oftentimes, like you said, the caregivers wear so many hats. They don't have time to like give 10 minutes to yoga where a 10 second breath is self-care, you know, taking a moment to just pause in between the transition from work to lunch to taking care of the kids. Yeah, it is so hard. And and it's also skill, right? That Mm. we, we all need to practice. When I talk to the caregivers, after we explore how they can stay grounded in that moment, then we often talk about What's it like for them to mess up? Because mm. this is this is going to be messy, right? And Absolutely. and they're they're not going to be able to show up for their kids in ways that they hope to do. Like everything you're saying is like resonating so deeply to me, because I'm a I'm a caretaker during the day, and like when I come home, I also do life coaching. So like I'm also a caretaker in that sense. So like giving yourself the permission to mess up is another thing that we overlook. It's like, we just want to do it right the first time. We just want to get it right and be that good, you know, either the good therapist or the good life coach or the good caretaker or the good teacher or the good, we just want to make sure that we're doing everything right. And we're not giving ourselves a space to like practice self-forgiveness because we're human at the end of the day. And we're learning how to navigate a pandemic. (laughs) This is nothing like I've ever experienced in my entire life. So it's like- self-forgiveness is such a beautiful thing to bring up. So thank you for that reflection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we all have this 
basic human desire to show up with our best for everyone at all times, right? So messing up is so anxiety-inducing, so mm-hmm. guilt and shame-inducing, right? So again, we're we're practicing this this skill to really open to that and and show up for our mistake with gentle, loving care too. I need to be taking notes. Like I'm gonna re-listen to this <laughs> podcast so many times. Like. <laughs> Because starting Monday morning, I'm right back to the, you know, behavior technician role and I'm back to working with the babies and everything you're saying are things that I have, I myself haven't even like thought to stop and think about. Like, I can't remember the last time I practiced like self-forgiveness and like Mm. messing up because I know that working with the kids with autism, it's like communication is very different. Like sometimes I don't understand what it is that they're trying to tell me. Or like they go into um, different phases where they might be repeating the same thing over and over. And to me, it just sounds like repeating, but sometimes they're they're like trying to communicate their favorite movie to me. And I'm like, I have to take a step back and and really release all of my past, I guess, notions on communication and like allow myself to learn this new method of talking to the babies, talking to the kids. Right. Oh, it's no small feat at all because in that moment, there's so much uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? And you have to let go of your power and control and knowledge and and listen. Exactly. You have to like go down to the level of the kids. If you really want to understand what's happening in the kid's mind, you have mm-hmm. to try to not only think like them, but learn how to listen to them. You know, just like Absolutely. how in any conversation with an adult, we are constantly refining our active listening skills yes and with the kids it's even more imperative that we practice that active listening I know we have so many things to think about at all given times as caretakers we're thinking about what are we doing next what's for the homework what are they going to eat for lunch what are we going to do about you know the next activity are they bored am I doing a good job there's always a flood of thoughts but as soon as you suspend those thoughts and really bring yourself to the moment that's an act of like meditation, just being in the present moment with the people that are right in front of you. It means a lot to the kids. Like I would say it means a lot to the kids. It really does. Like everyone could really use that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and all these lessons, I have to say that I need them too for myself to remind myself comes Monday. And mm-hmm. I have such a huge honor to get to cultivate these lessons with the parents and the caregivers and the children that I work with on the stage you're an amazing person off the stage you're oh. even more amazing person so I would love to talk <laughs> about your on stage life if you're performing virtually like what is what does crocodile lightning do for entertainment or how do you express yourself in the pandemic let's see because I have not performed virtually as much I have the privilege of my ability and be able to still be employed so mm-hmm. I, I don't have to perform for my income. But before the pandemic, I I choose every opportunity I get to step on the stage to express my liberation. Mm. Because being a trans woman of color and still be alive, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's, it's so significant. And I need to celebrate that. So I think the audience can expect to see in my performance. My hope is for them to see that unapologetic sense of freedom 
That's beautiful. That's exactly what I see when I see you perform. Like the first time I saw you on stage was at Fierce Burlesque Festival. And I kid you not, it was, I was sitting there with Dame Yankee, Ophelia, Midori Minx. We were all just like mouth on the floor. Like, (laughs) what? How? How is this person so elegant and so fierce and so strong and so fluid? Like everything that you did on stage literally captivated us to like the core. And then I got to meet you off stage and I was like, instant fanboy mode where I'm like, okay, now I'm nervous. My shoulders are tense. (laughs) It's like, you carry yourself with such humility and such grace. And it's like, you inspire me so, so much. Thank you. It's just an honor to be able to speak to you right now. Like this is... Oh. One for the books in my world. I'm just gonna tally off like I'm a legend. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. I, you know, I when I see these compliments and hear it, I feel so grateful. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't know. I feel like I can I can talk to you about this because I don't really talk to other people about this. I feel like my resilience, it's unfortunate. Right. Because of the discrimination and the oppression that are coming at me because of my social identities. Mm. And I have to develop these strengths, first of all, to survive, not to thrive at all. Like I remember my teenage years where I walked around with so much anger and anger at myself, anger with the world and the injustice. So I had to, I had to like, change mm-hmm. and now it's for thriving i know it sounds so corny but yeah the, the resilience that i have today it's unfortunate and necessary for me making art is also a privilege that i get to express all of that mm-hmm. on stage and i hope to give other people permission to just live their best life too everything that you did it looked so effortless but like as a performer i was like this is training years and years of like inner work to be able to be on a stage and like just move the way that you were moving it was storytelling that's the first time I was like this is a story that you're telling and like I remember the ribbons I remember the colors I remember the lights I was just like captivated to my core so I just want to affirm you that you are out here changing lives with every performance and every every social media post because every time I see you online it's also <laughs> I get the same sense of like, even though you share like still photographs, you can see the movement, you can see the passion, you can see the joy. And I just love every second of it. Thank you for seeing that. To be trans at this moment, my 10-year-old self would never thought that my this identity that I carry would mm-hmm. be celebrated to the point that last month's pride, I, I forgot to celebrate. <laughs> because <laughs> I could not believe it um, that that I would be celebrated in this way. I am so happy to know that my work speaks so much to you. And I, I just want to say that I'm here to uplift you in any way that I can too, because we're in this together. <laughs> right. We totally are. And speaking of being in this together, guess who is now uh, working to be part of the House of Nile? Oh my goodness. Uh-huh. Like wow. I've been practicing and I've been talking to Egypt. And for those that don't know any listeners who are not familiar with Egypt Nile, that is an amazing 
legendary, iconic performer in the burlesque world and beyond. And Mm -hmm. I'm currently one of her mentees. And it's just like an honor and such a big life accomplishment to be part of the, you know, hopefully to be part of the House of Nile. I'm still going through the main, the training part, the portion. So do you want to tell us about your experience with the House of Nile? Absolutely. Wow. I'm so excited about this. Oh my goodness. I hope you're having fun. It's a ton of fun. Like even in the pandemic, it's given me a space to like express myself and like gather knowledge from like a human that I trust and just adore so much and the fact that like the house of now is filled with people who i look up to like I've, i know that brick house and you and a few other people are people that i've looked up to for such a long time so it's just an incredible humbling experience to be taught by one of the greats oh i'm so excited yay and <laughs> i think being in the house um what it means is you have another support system Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, that is so important because I believe that our success is not coming from our work and ourself alone. There's so many people along our journey who uplifts us and supports us. And I really wish everyone had that. Mm -hmm. Like having a house mother or just having someone, a mentor to talk to and to work through different things like in your personal life and performance life it truly makes the biggest difference like just the few weeks that I was talking to Egypt before like the world exploded it was a lot of just me listening once again practicing my active listening and it was just Mm -hmm. like it feels like talking to you know like talking to a person who carries so much knowledge and wisdom and to be in a space where you can learn from that to me I was like It was like a heaven experience. I was like, this is bliss. This is blissful. I get to take in this knowledge from someone who has lived this life for many, many, many years and who's gathered the experience and the knowledge from like firsthand just performing and being in these crowds and learning from other teachers. It's like all the knowledge that's passed down from like the burlesque legends it feels like I got a part of that. And I was just like mind blown by how humble Egypt is and just how sweet and just Mm -hmm. like her soul is just beaming with just beautiful, bright light. And I just got, I got to experience that. And that was life changing for me. Like I move differently. I think about my performances differently. How long have you been under the house of Nile? Oh, wow. I would say one, one year. And I love Egypt dearly. Um, the One of the greatest gifts that I think she instills in me is to take her generosity and for me to show up for other people, mm. right? Because I, I want other people to experience the same love and support too. Yeah, so it's kind of way, a way of paying it forward, community building. That's, that's what I love. <laughs> that's amazing because I feel the same way about community building and it's, so great to be surrounded by people who are focused on community because at the end of the day we all we have is each other as black and brown people of color who are under the queer umbrella it's like most of us all we have is one another so community is one of the things that I talk about a lot as a life coach and just as a performer Mm. as a teacher as you know everything that I do community is like the one thing that is constant in all areas of my life it's great to hear you bring that up 
I love that that's been on your mind too. So I have one last question for you. Do you have any words of encouragement to the listeners right now? I'm going to say for parents <laughs> and caregivers that I think, you know, after you build that sense of safety into the day for your children and have some sort of predictability and routine for them to feel safe, and after you set the intention of what you want to teach them in this moment with the resources and energy that you have, right? Because we wear so, so many hats. It's okay to prioritize resilience, connection, and care, right? I think algebra can wait. Um, it's important, right? And when you teach connection and care, the moments that you cannot show up at your 100% is the most important thing. If you could model to your children how you cope, how you handle stress, and involve them in that process, Right? that's appropriate for their developmental stage, you're teaching them to be resilient, to be emotional, to be emotionally intelligent. So those moments of co-regulation are so important. And when we talk about attachment, one side of the coin is the bonding, the attachment, the independence. The other side of the coin is the mismatch, the mistakes, right? So mistakes are bound to happen, but what matters for our children is how we repair that rupture, how, how we handle that mistake, how we carry ourselves in that moment, because it teaches our children so much when we shame ourselves or we, when, when we just own the mistakes, deal with mm -hmm. the stress and promise to do better next time. So with our limited energy and resources, we have to set the intention of what we're going to teach our children and be okay with our mistakes. And yes, you are doing enough. <laughs> Such powerful affirmations and powerful words. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to be a parent so I can listen to this and just <laughs> be blessed <laughs> oh. by the words of Crocodile Lightning. Oh my goodness. And I have to give credits for all the caregivers that I work with, that they, you know, impart this wisdom to me so I can share it with you and your beautiful listeners today. Thank you so, so much, Crocodile. You have, once again, no idea how much this means to me. And I know that our listeners are going to get such a delight from listening to your powerful words. Oh, thank you so much for carving out the time for me to share my stories. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to tell the friends where they can find you online? My Instagram is at Crocodile Lightning, all in one word. And I started my brand new anti-oppression education project called The Office Hour. Thank you, everyone, for joining me on yet another episode of Life with Magic. Today's guest was a very special and close person to my heart. I hope to see you in the podcast world. I hope to hear from you. I hope to catch you on the uh, extra sound waves or however we say goodbye in the podcast world. I hope to see you soon and I hope to hear from you. And I hope you have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. <laughs>